Good morning, and grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Today we're going to wrap up, as Pastor Mark said, with this current series uh, that we've been working through four weeks now, No Offense, and uh, I I completely agree with Pastor Mark. This has been a, a difficult one. Uh, both to, to preach and to, to hear. I was able to sit and watch for a couple of weeks, and it's a tough one to be able to listen to as well. Uh, it, just forgiveness is tough. It's a, it's a hard thing, and that's what we're going to really focus on today. It's our subject matter. When forgiveness seems just impossible. Forgiveness is a little bit easier, I think, when we receive it. For somebody to give me forgiveness for something, I appreciate that a lot. Forgiveness is easier, I would assume, for most of you like me, if we give it to somebody whom we love. Forgiveness, I think, is also easier when we are forgiving things that seem smaller or they seem minute. So maybe forgiving uh, your spouse for just forgetting something at the store or not taking out the trash, maybe that's, that's easy for most of us, I would hope, to be able to do. Maybe forgiving your son or daughter uh, for leaving their homework at home, even though you reminded them multiple times to do so, to bring it to school. Maybe that's an easier thing. You love your son or your daughter. It's a small thing to be able to forgive. But what about large things? What about sins that are really painful to us? What about sins that are really grotesque or, or large sins? What about when the person that we need to forgive isn't somebody whom we love? When that somebody is somebody maybe we're at odds with, or worse, somebody that we would consider, consider our, our actual enemy? Those are the hard times to be able to forgive. That's when forgiveness seems impossible. And today, in that gospel lesson that Michelle read for us, we hear about this subject of forgiveness And I promise, if you are anything like me, and we are truthful today, this subject matter is going to challenge us to our core, because it can be difficult to be able to forgive. So let's review that gospel lesson just briefly this morning, walk through that little story that Jesus shares, and see what insights we can receive from this. It began in saying, then Peter came up and said to him, talking to Jesus, Lord, How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So this is an interesting number that that Peter picks, this number of seven. Uh, He doesn't just do this arbitrarily. It's just not a number that he pulls out of the air. In Jewish culture, it was very specific that you were called to be able to forgive your brother and sister three times. And usually it would be three times for the same offense. So if somebody lied to you the first time, you were to forgive them. If somebody lied to you again, you forgive them the second time. Somebody lied to you the third time, you forgave them again. But if they lied to you that fourth time, that was it. Most of the time, you would push them away from your life. You wouldn't have relations with them in any way ever again. And so Peter today says, well, if three times is the law, you know, he kind of 
doubles it, maybe he adds one more for good measure, and he says, Jesus, what about seven times? You know, the law says to forgive somebody uh, three times. What about if I do it seven times? That's got to be really, really good. And he's probably right. That probably is really, really good. Think about that. Forgiving somebody in your life seven times for committing the same offense against you. How difficult would that be? But Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus is not saying, okay, let's count this up. If somebody's going to gossip about us, on 77th time, I'm going to forgive them, and on the 78th time, that's it. They're finally out of my life. Jesus is, is being very specific here with the numbers in the culture of the Jewish people and of this time. Uh, it was very, very uh, looked upon that the number seven and also the number 10 uh, were numbers of perfection and numbers of completion. And so in this response, Jesus isn't saying, let's actually count to 77. He is saying your forgiveness and mine needs to be complete. It needs to be over everything. It needs to be perfect. No matter how many times somebody sins against you, no matter how bad that sin hurts, no matter who that person is, your friend, your family member, or your enemy, you are to always forgive them. So Jesus goes on in being able to share. He tells a little story, a parable, for us to be able to, to, to really know this point today. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one of these individuals was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So this king is looking upon everybody. They're all settling these debts. And this guy owes this 10,000 talents. May not sound like a lot, so let's understand what that looks like. 10,000 talents. Talent was a unit of weight, a measurement of weight. Uh, it was also used to be able to figure out uh, how much monetary element was based on one thing or another. And so in this phrase of 10,000 talents, again, may not seem like a lot for us, but today, in today's financing, uh, 2022, most ex experts would say this would be about uh, $450 billion dollars. So you owed $450 billion. Anybody have that, by the way? I, I need a loan real bad. $450 billion. Think about that in your mind. All of us here at some point have probably had uh, some type of uh, debt that was over our, our head. Credit card, car loan, whatever. You've had some type of debt. Think about what $450 billion in debt would feel like on your life. He can't pay it. He is nowhere close to this. Think about it. If this guy was a billionaire, he still is super short on how much he owes the king. He's nowhere close. Jesus uses this to be able to compare this king to God the Father and to be able to compare us as these servants that owe this massive debt. All of us, every one of you in here today, me, everybody in the world owes this debt that we have committed sins, and that because of these sins, there's something that awaits us. You know the way that Paul puts it, he says, for the wages of sin are death. Every one of us has to pay a penalty of death. And it's not just death here on this earth. What we actually owe a penalty for is an eternal death. But 
you know the good news. I know the good news. God sends Jesus to this earth to be able to pay that debt for us. You see, Paul doesn't leave us there with that little verse and saying, for the wages of sin are death. He says, but the grace of God, the gift that he gives to us is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That all of us have been handed eternal life, perfection, because of what Jesus has done for us. Christ could have stopped there that day. We could stop here today. Service would end way too early, though. Service would stop too early. Let's keep going. And what does Jesus do as he continues to go for us today? He shares that there's more. Because we know this, because we know that we have this great gift in Christ, what do we do with that? The servant is forgiven, and he is sent off. Think about that. $450 billion, completely forgiven. He goes on his way. But Jesus continues this parable. He says, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. He goes right out, and he hunts down the people that are around him that owe him money. Another uh, unit of monetary wealth here that we probably are not super familiar with, a hundred denarii uh, today in our monetary uh, comparison, it would be about $2,000. So it's not chump change or anything like that. I mean, $2,000 is, is a good amount of money. But remember, this individual is just forgiven $450 billion. So what would this look like in our world today if we put it down on a more manageable scale? Uh, just think of a make-believe scenario today. Uh, say that our government came out with this plan to be able to pay off $10,000 in student loan for every person. Just pretend with me for a moment. If they decided to do this, this is what it would be like. That if every single individual who then received that, I don't care if you like this program or not, go with me on the analogy. Every person who uh, got that free forgiveness of $10,000 then went out to be able to get the people that owed them money, the comparison of their $10,000 would be one one-hundred-thousandth of a penny. So you would have to shake down a hundred thousand people to come up with a penny. That's what this servant does today. He goes out to this one guy because he wants that fraction. There's this comparison that's being made, right? What do we do with the forgiveness that is being offered to us? Jesus continues on in his parable and he says, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. He said, have patience with me. I will pay you. But he refused. And he went and he put him into prison until he should be able to pay the debt. He can't pay his debt in prison. He can't work. Uh, he can't sell any of his possessions. There's nothing he can do. He's stuck there forever. But... This individual, the first servant, wanted to be able to have this payment back so much he was willing to do anything. In our world, we talk a lot about everything wanting to be equal, things wanting to be fair, and that's super important when it comes to our horizontal relationship that we have with people around us. Uh, we don't do want fairness. We do want equality. But we need to be very careful 
when we talk about the subject of being fair or having equality when it comes to our vertical relationship with God. Because remember what is really owed to you. Remember what you have earned in me too. All of us have earned our death. All of us have earned, actually, a free ticket to condemnation, to be separated from God forever. But remember, God steps in and he solves that issue. And so since we know that, how do we treat people who are around us, especially people who sin against us? Because in doing so, there's a message that's put out into the world. And Jesus shares that in our parable too. He says, when his fellow servants saw what, they had, t- what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They're not happy about this. Somebody around them is doing something so horrible to somebody who is just like them. Think about the message that we send in the world when we forgive or do not forgive, or the other actions that we do or do not do as Christians. It affects the lives of people who are around us. When we hear something like this in Scripture, we should probably pause for a moment and really challenge ourselves and ask ourselves that question. Are we living by the example of Jesus within our world? Do we look at Scripture and just hear the things that it says and read the things that it says and then set it aside? Or do we actually apply them in our life? Are we using those elements of Scripture to live out every day as a testament to others? Jesus goes on with this parable. He says, Then the master summoned this servant and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? There it is. All of us actually just prayed this in the Lord's Prayer that this is something that we call out to God to be able to do for us and on our behalf. Did you hear it in those words that you said today? You said the word trespasses. God, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Sometimes you'll hear the word sins. God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And as a perfect uh, pair with our message for today, sometimes it's phrased as debt. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive the debts of those around us. But back to the beginning. This gets hard. Those debts, those sins, those trespasses, when it's somebody we love, when it's something that's small, I can do that all day long. When it's something that's big, when it's someone who is our enemy, that's when it gets really, really hard. Today I want to show you a video clip that is better than any story or illustration I could ever share with you on the subject of forgiveness. One that I think that we can learn something from, and one that I I do hope will motivate us to be able to listen to Jesus' words today. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God. 
for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Yes, I'm grateful. Which explains why Mary can sing yes, her praise of thanks to her audience so of one. Steve Hartman, CBS yes, News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. So that whole story is amazing in so many different ways. That act of forgiveness changed that individual's life. That act of forgiveness allowed a, a news organization to pick up that story and say, this is amazing. I wish we saw more stories like that in the world. Think of the example that gets put out as a Christian, as a representative of Christ, when you pronounce forgiveness to somebody else in a truthful and meaningful way. Lives are completely altered and changed forever. When Jesus tells us to love our enemy, it is a crazy idea. When you watch that video with me this morning, you may see that and say, how could somebody ever do that? How could somebody forgive someone else for killing their one and only son? 
And then I hope it sets in with you today that you and I are that person. That because of our sins, we are the ones who killed God's one and only son. And you deserved lashes, but he gives you his love. You deserve to pay a major fine, but he gives you forgiveness. You deserve a jail of hell forever, but he gives you Jesus. Forgiveness from Christian to another, from Jesus to us, is not a symbol of weakness or a distraction in the world. It is a gutsy, bold move to do what's right for another on behalf of the one that loves you so much. Remember God's forgiveness for you and the gift and privilege that you have to be able to share that with others. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, we just come to you today and thank you for this gift that you lay at our feet to be able to forgive. And we know it's tough, Lord, but as we heard in that video, if we do not, it can be like a cancer that eats away at us. Do not let us be resentful in this world, but pull on our heartstrings to be able to love you and to be able to love others, to be that example into the world so that lives will be changed. Not because of what we're doing, but again, because of what you have already done through your son. All these things we come and pray in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.